Welcome to the podcast, the emergency podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thank you for having me on this emergency podcast. It is. This is. This is truly as it's an emergency. It, it is an absolute emergency. <laughs> People there, are dying. There's, there's no way that any one of these podcasts can ever be really declared. An emergency, forget about emergency, even necessary or or asked for. But (laughs) this is as close as we would get to something being an emergency, I would say. This was it. And and it begins, I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know if you've heard about this, actually. Maybe I had to tell you this. Um, They played the Super Bowl yesterday, uh, apparently, in Houston. Okay. uh, and, And there was much... You know, as there will be at Super Bowl, there was much mayhem, uh, music, and, mm-hmm. and and all kinds of, you know, they had soldiers and, and, and flags. It was really a big, big American thing. It was crazy. A spectacle. You're saying it was a spectacle. I, I, I would call it a spectacle. I think that's was, a very good word for it. And out of curiosity, was there pageantry? There was, yes. You know okay. what? There was pageantry. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, there was patriotism. Sure. There was, there were dancing. There was, there mm-hmm. was dancing. Uh, mm-hmm. it was quite the thing. That's it. That's all I saw. That's, that was basically. <laughs> you turned it off. You, you go to the Super Bowl for the pageantry. That's my understanding. I do for the pageantry and the commercials. And, uh, and once those were over, so I don't know who won, uh, but I just thought it was kind of an emergency to tell people that yesterday was, it was a very, it was an exciting day. Uh, sort of in that old-fashioned American way, don't you think? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm just looking it up here now. It looks like the Patriots beat the Falcons 34-28 in overtime, and it looks like they were down 28-3 to late in the third quarter. So it sounds like an exciting game. Sounds like it probably was a pretty good game. Well, that was good. Well, it's great, great having you on the yeah. show. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for hosting. <laughs> All right. Let me say this. Let me let me say this. I and because I, I've done this uh, as preparation for this. Obviously, uh, for those of you who don't listen normally, you know Michael is a, a lifelong Patriots fan uh, who has uh, at various times, uh, you know, had to endure and deal with what it is to be a Patriots fan mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. Uh, and then, obviously, yesterday's game was was I would say. And I think you'll agree, although I'm going to give you certainly your chance to say this, uh, sort of the singular moment in this incredible Patriots run because it was utterly impossible what happened yesterday. Just it, 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 And here's how I know it was impossible. So preparing for this, I went to look at the play-by-play of the game. I, I literally just went through, uh, you can find in various places online, and I'm just going through the play-by-play over and over, you know, first down, second down, third down, Tom Brady pass, uh, Devonta Freeman, you know, going on and on. And I realized when I got to the bottom of it that the Falcons actually won the game. That's how I know. <laughs> That's how I know that what happened yesterday was impossible. I don't – I still don't fully understand it. I, no, I, no. Intellectually, I, I watched it from beginning to end, and I understood – visually the events that were occurring in front of me but i but when it was over it felt like we had all been gaslit or something that there had been a that there had been a it was like a weird 
uh, hallucination or or, or um, collective sort of unconscious mirage had been played because when you got to the end you understood what had happened but when you thought back to how it had happened you it was like i forgot everything like i forgot every drive i couldn't remember it all happened so fast part of this was how how quickly it happened uh you know with two two and a half minutes let's say in the third quarter uh it was 28 to 3 right. and so in you know 17 minutes of game time later we were going to overtime, and then about four minutes after that, the game was over. And so it was really difficult to kind of remember it as it was happening because it was happening too quickly. And I don't know if you saw Brady's post-game press conference, but he had trouble remembering it. Now, that might have been because the Atlanta defensive line hit him 35 times, <laughs> and he was uh, in the midst of, a, of some kind of brain trauma. But I honestly believe that it was just like no one could remember how it had happened. Once it was over... You had to read about it. The only way to remember it was to read about it. You couldn't just call it up in your brain. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember a game exactly like that. I mean, there have been a lot of games where so many things happened that you go, oh, yeah, you know what? I forgot. I forgot, like, you know, the, the, because there were, like, four exchanges of touchdowns or whatever, and then, oh, I forgot in the middle of that there was this trick play or, or whatever, and that happens all the time. Sure. Um, but I am thoroughly unaware of anything that happened in the second half until I reread it. I mean, uh, at halftime, the game was was over. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe I'm divulging uh, uh, any confidences in, in saying that you texted me uh, essentially admitting it was over. Yeah. And and I don't know any any sort of... It wasn't just that the score was, I guess, was 21-3 at the half. Is, right. is that right? Or, right? Yeah, 21-3, yeah. It wasn't just that the score was 21-3, and that's obviously a difficult thing to overcome. It, it, it seemed for all the world there was no way that the Patriots were going to stop the Falcons at any point ever, which is sort of what you and I had talked about coming in anyway. And then it did not seem like the Patriots were going to, they were, they might score, but to score was such a punishing 17 play, lots of short passes, needing penalties. You know what I mean? I mean, there was no, they couldn't throw the ball downfield. There was no way to like get a quick strike. It didn't feel like there was anything that could really turn the game around. Uh, and then that second half, it's not like, a whole bunch of crazy things happened. It was much more subtle and weird. And the Patriots, um, you know, got their act together, certainly, but didn't exactly blow the world away. You know, I mean, it wasn't like suddenly we just saw like incredible hook and ladder plays or whatever. I mean, they just methodically kept going uh, and the Falcons lost their minds and, and all of it sort of put together created this comeback really unlike anything I think I've ever seen. Well, because there hasn't been one. I mean, right. you know, the, the at this point, the statistics and the kind of history lessons have been pretty well played out. But just to refresh everyone's memory, the last time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, they tied a Super Bowl record by coming back from a 10-point deficit. It was the only was three times, I think, teams have come back from 10 points down at any point in the Super Bowl. It's the largest deficit that had ever been overcome. Uh, for a team to win. So, you know, everybody's talking about the fourth quarter and overtime, but if you actually go back much further, the game essentially, by Super Bowl standards, was over 8.48 into the second quarter when the Falcons scored their second touchdown, making it 14 to nothing. At that moment, 
a comeback of any kind by the Patriots set a Super Bowl record. Like teams, generally speaking, in the NFL do not come back down 14 points at any point in the game. Now, obviously some do. And the the statistics would tell you that at the moment that Atlanta scored their second touchdown, which is halfway through, essentially halfway through the second quarter, they're at eighty seven percent odds to win. That's what the that's what the win expectancy is. So right away you're saying, Wow, it's halfway through the second quarter, and if the Patriots win this, it's something of a miracle. Then Brady throws the pick six. They're driving down the field, and Brady throws a pick six with two and a half minutes left in the first half. And at that point, then it becomes 97%, basically. Right. It's a 97% right. odds. They're, Atlanta's up 21 nothing, And what you think, and what I thought, and what everybody thought, was it's over. the game's over. And the only way that the game isn't over is if literally from that moment on, at the moment of the pick six, two minutes left in the first half, every single thing that happens from now on has to go right for the Patriots. If there's a single thing that goes right for the Falcons, the game, the game's over because that's just the nature of the NFL and also the nature of the game to that point, which had been the Atlanta offense. They had a great game plan. They were running these toss sweeps that were like the, where the, their running backs were, were going out wide. They had four blockers. They were cutting back brilliantly. They were chunk, just churning up yards over and over again. The, the Patriots are having a really hard time stopping that running attack. Also, every time Matt Ryan threw the ball, he looked great. Like there was not the, the there was one positive thing that you could say if you were on the Patriots defense, which is only fourteen of the points were their fault, and also Julio Jones hadn't gotten involved. That was the only positive thing at that point. So what you're thinking with two minutes left in the first half is every single thing now has to break the Patriots' way, and then a bunch of things didn't break their way. They right. drove down the field again. And looked like they had a chance to score a touchdown. They couldn't, so they kicked a field goal. So it's 21-3, to big deal. 21-3 to at the end of the half means Atlanta falls from a 97% win expectancy to a 95%. Who cares? Then the Falcons get the ball in the second half, and they score another touchdown. Right. And so now it's 28-3, to and the game is now officially over. And it's a 99.5% win expectancy, so five times out of 1,000, you're going to see a comeback. So... Their number of, th- like, the, the the sort of string out in your mind, in your mind's eye, the string out of events that are necessary for the Patriots to win, has it's it's been over for a while. Like, not only did things not all go right for New England, a lot of things were going right for Atlanta. The next thing that happened is that the Patriots scored a touchdown, but it took them six and a half minutes. And right. I was like, I was watching that drive, and they were huddling on that drive in the third quarter, and I was thinking, guys... Like, did Andy Reid suddenly take over his team? Like, you don't, this is not the way you do this. You have to be going, like, you know, all out. And they do score a touchdown with two minutes left in the third quarter. They miss the extra point, and then they horribly botch the onside kick, which then is like now Atlanta has the ball on on the whatever it was, the 45 or something. And so now, again, the game is over. It's the, the there were so many moments in the game where the game was over and it was foolish to even be watching it. And then from that point on, that situation that I described actually kicked in. Actually, that's not true. They drove down the field again after the strip sack, I guess. It was it after I can't remember now. It's all a blur. But they didn't they didn't punch it in. They had to kick another field goal. So now there's nine and a half minutes left in the game and they have to settle for another field goal that still puts them down sixteen points. And then from that moment 
every single thing went correctly well, and there was just enough time for them to actually pull out the victory but it had it kicked in a full quarter or, and a half or two quarters after you thought that it had to kick in well i think i think when you watch a game like this all right so let's start at 28-3 atlanta let's just start from that point because the game was over or seemed to be over in the first half but you never really know at halftime what's going to happen. You know, everybody gets fired up by Lady Gaga. Things can change, whatever. So it's 28-3 with uh, looks like eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter is right, is right after they score. And then as you make the point, which is 100% how I saw it too, Brady and, and, the, and, the, and the Patriots go on this insanely painful drive to watch yeah because yeah. it's just short pass short oh incomplete short pass short i mean it was it was like you know this is just so agonizing it was like a you know that drip the water drip right and and you're you're watching this and you're like this is gonna take an hour for them to even get down there which it did and then they were so un like comfortable around the goal line that they just started handing the ball off. I mean, Tom Brady looked kind of, you know, the, he, the line was getting beat. Tom Brady was missing passes. It was unusual to see, but they do finally just kind of pound it, pound it, pound it, get down to the five yard line. And then they, and then, uh, and then Brady hits a touchdown pass. And now there's two minutes left and they're down 28 to 10, which is over. The game is still over. Uh, nothing in that in that series uh, suggests um, that they're going to come back and win. They do that horribly botched onside kick, which was just an abomination, right? It yeah. was, so the so they tried one of those where like the kicker tries to kick it to himself, um, but he it hit his foot. I mean, the whole thing was a disaster. <laughs> and, and the Falcons get the ball. At the New England uh, 41-yard line. That's where they got the ball. At the New England 41, uh, because they also was there was a five-yard penalty in addition to the awfulness of the kick. Right. So that's almost field goal range, right? They need one first down to get a field goal range. Uh, on the first play, they get nine yards. They're in field goal range. And you know, look, a field goal at that point, the game's over anyway. But a field goal at that point certainly puts the game away. And then... They just started going nuts. Like that that whole Falcons team that had been so smart and so ready, that's really where, to me, it started for them. I don't think that it started for the Patriots yet, but I think it started for the Falcons because they were in that position where it's like foot on the neck, end this ridiculous thing, this Super Bowl is yours. And instead... They 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 run it and they don't get it and there's a holding penalty and they get knocked out of field goal range and they end up punting. So that's the first Falcons fiasco. Patriots get the ball back and again go on this like incredibly boring short pass <laughs> flippy little there's you can't come back like that, right? It's impossible to come back like that. And they do, and they just barely move the way down, and they move down, and Barry, and then with 10 minutes left in the game, they're forced to kick a field goal, which mm -hmm. makes it 
the 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 famous two score game because they're down sixteen, right? right. So that's that puts them down two sixteen by sixteen. Falcons get the ball back. They look like they're getting ready to put the game away. They 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 have a third down and one. Matt Ryan instead of handing the ball off on third and one, drops back, fumbles the ball. Yeah. Then the Patriots right. get it yeah. and score to pull within eight. Yeah, so that this is like Ed Werder described this in the post game show I watched as the complete breakdown of situational football, and and I it's a it's a good pithy uh, way to refer to it because it's third and one with eight and a half minutes left at their own thirty six yard line, so run the ball, run the ball. If you get if you get a yard, great then you win the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you don't, if you're stopped, well, then guess what? You're punting the ball up 16. You're punting the ball from your own 35-yard line, which is fine. and and you Or you make them burn a timeout or whatever. And uh, the only thing that you can do that will give the other team a chance to win is turn the ball over on your own 36 yard line that's a there's exactly one thing and that and that's and the 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 number of times that the falcons did the only thing that they couldn't do (laughs) it's probably four or five times from this point of the game on right this is the first one the first big one is it's the only thing and and by the way um freeman completely whiffs the blitz pickup and uh, and I, I don't know how it, he was on the right. Ryan put him on the right side, and Hightower came off of his left, their right. It's not like he. Did, I, everybody saw the blitz coming, and yes, and it wasn't even the blind side. It was he was coming to, to towards Ryan's right, and it was like a weird. It was he just he was in the shotgun and he took a deep drop and he just waited and waited and waited and you. It was like a slow motion train wreck, and so. This was the first of several moments where the only thing that the Falcons shouldn't do is the thing they did. The craziest thing is after doing it, they're up 16 points and they just, they fumble, they, you know, it's a a sack and a fumble. They still have a 97% chance to win the game. There's still, it's still like you can, it's starting to be like, oh, this is kind of bad, but they're still at 97% to win. But yes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your narrative. That's that's what that's the first thing that happens. He fumbles, they recover, and then fairly quickly after that, the the Patriots uh, go down and 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 score their second touchdown. It takes them yes. know, a couple minutes. It, it, it does. That's actually the first time I, I thought that the Patriots looked a little bit like the Patriots, where they just kind of just mowed right down the field. Yeah, it only took them like a minute and a half to score. Um, we should add here, so. If, if there are, I don't know how many options they really had here, but of the many options the Falcons had in that moment uh, on third and one from their own 36-yard line um, to win the game, handing the ball off and getting the first down probably clinches the victory, right? Yeah, Handing probably, the ball yeah. off, yeah, or it comes close. I mean, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to knock another three, four minutes off the clock. They're up 16, uh, whatever. Uh, handing the ball off and not getting the first down probably clinches the game because they can punt the ball and and they'll punt it. And again, making the Patriots drive. We have seen that the Patriots, maybe they can move the football, but driving the ball 75, 80 yards down the field, they can't do it. Right. They, they're just not on this day. Not not to say it wouldn't have changed, but up to that point, there was no reason to believe they could do it. Right. Um, 
he could have dropped back and thrown like a very quick out or something, which is what you would tend to do on third and one. Either he completes it or doesn't complete it. But again, same situation. Or he could drop back into a deep drop, wait until the very last second, th- try to throw the ball and fumble it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, <laughs> like there's even if he doesn't throw the ball and takes the sack, they probably win the game. Right. I mean, every single thing that. Every other, it's like it's like there's a little tiny circle of things he could do that would like possibly lose the game, and this gigantic circle around it of things that would win the game with various possibilities. And he's like, "No, I'm doing the little circle thing." So, so that was a disaster. And then we get to I think the the biggest disaster. So, the the Patriots drive the ball down the field, do score, and I will say. Um, Scored easily and also scored the two-point conversion easily. Right. Uh, on a little James White, like a direct snap right. to Which, James White. Side note was the exact same two-point conversion play they used in the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl, whatever it was, 14 years ago now, to tie that game at 29. I believe they it was the same play. It was to Kevin Falk. But it was literally like the same Brady pretends that the ball was snapped over his head, direct snap. <laughs> they used that same exact play in Super Bowls like 13 years apart, which is it just works. insane. It works, yeah. It works, it's totally a good works. good play. It works. So anyway, I will say that after that happened, there is sort of a, oh boy. You know, now, yeah. now it's an eight-point game. Now the Falcons look like they're reeling. The Patriots seem to sort of have their rhythm. So you're like, at that point, you're going, okay, they could lose this game. They really mm-hmm. could. Um, but they're still in pretty good shape not to lose the game if they can move the ball, which they promptly do. Right. They promptly, like the first play, they get the ball at their own 10, and you're like, oh, boy, that that didn't go well. And then on the first play, uh, Devonta Freeman is like wide open and goes for 39 yards. So they're yeah, basically no one, no one covers him. <laughs> no one even covers him, right? He's yeah. just he's just all alone running, um, and then uh, the play that could have gone down as Super Bowl legend is the throw from Matt Ryan to Julio Jones at the sidelines, where Julio Jones makes. You know, we've we've called so many catches over the last five years the greatest catch ever. You know, the one hand catch in this thing. I'm not saying that's the greatest catch ever. I'm just saying I don't think it's possible to make a catch that's better. Right. The catch Julio Jones made on that play, right? I mean, it's like he's covered. That guy's totally in his face. He's on the sideline. There's no way to get two feet down. There's no way to hold the ball throughout the entire process. And he did it. That guy is, he's a god. I mean, he's he is so freaking good. Yeah, it, I mean, he makes that catch, uh, t- t- like tapping his toes on the sideline. And the <laughs> defender, I can't remember whether it was Roe or I can't remember who, it might have been Roe was in perfect position. Just absolutely played it absolutely perfectly and had his hand equidistant between uh, between Julio Jones's two hands and and got like a finger on the ball. And so he had to play a like contested deflection while lunging out of bounds and tapping his toes down and Belichick said after the game, he was like, we went to challenge and we looked at it. It wasn't even close. He had his easily had it. Yeah. He had both of it. Like it wasn't, it it was an impossible play. He was, he was, he was, uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic or whatever from the (laughs) fantastic four, Mr. Incredible, whatever his name is, who can stretch his arms out. And that, at that point, 
all of the people I was watching the game with were like, oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. Because right. now it's first and 10 at the New England 22, and everyone in the world knows what is going to happen, which is they're going to run the ball three times straight forward, burn all of the Patriots' timeouts, and then kick a field goal. Matt Bryan is a very good kicker, and they're going to go up 11, and there will be four minutes left or three minutes left, and the game's over. That's it. The game is over. Well, and here's what I want to say. This is, this is to me, I wrote a piece the other day about Bill Belichick that I was, I, I was trying to get at something that, that I think is very, it sounds so obvious that, that I think it's, it's easy to miss. I think part of what makes Bill Belichick uh, the greatest coach, I think, in any sport that we've had, um, I think the thing is, uh, I mean, and, and there are a million things, obviously, it's not one thing. But if I could pick it down to one philosophy, it is just simply this. Bill Belichick will do whatever it takes to win the game. And he doesn't let any other thing enter his mind. He doesn't ever think about anything other than winning the game. So he doesn't think about, like, you know, the examples I used there were like the more obvious examples. If he goes into a game believing, um, hey, we can't run against them, he's not going to try to establish the run because you're supposed to do that, right? Right, He doesn't care. He'll throw the ball 75 times. It doesn't matter to him. Whatever he has to do to win the game, including if he feels like, hey, the best chance for us to win the game is to let them score, he'll do that. If he feels like the best chance to win the game is to go for it on fourth down from his own 20 against the Colts, he'll do that. He's not always right. He's right, you know, a very, very high percentage of the time, but he never second guesses the idea and the concept, okay? And here's here's why I bring that up. When they, when they beat Seattle uh, a couple of years ago, uh, obviously, everybody knows Seattle had the ball at the goal line. They had the best short yardage runner in the game, and they decided to throw the ball, and it was intercepted, and the game was over. Bill Belichick never would have done that ever. He just wouldn't have done it. And it's not—it's not a question of whether it was right or wrong, whether what the packages were, whatever. He would have said, "What is our best chance to win the game? I'm doing that." In this particular case. If that had been a Patriot who made that catch at the 22-yard line, you know, as a Patriots fan, the Patriots would have run the ball three straight times up the middle, kicked the field goal to win the game. That's what you do. You don't start second-guessing and thinking about something else. And and that was, to me, the difference. Everybody talks about experience. I don't buy that experience is, 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 this, is this magical thing. But I do buy the idea that that in there was a lot of stuff going on in the head of the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff. And I think one of the things was, hey, you know, if we score a touchdown here, this game is over. Uh, there's no way we can lose. We have the best offense. All sorts of things that should not have been thinking, they should not have been thinking about because all they really needed to think about was, we are in field goal range. We kick a field goal. We're going to win this game. And and they couldn't do it. Yeah, that that's a very good way of assessing it. Um, I I came to the same conclusion listening to Matt Ryan talk after the game. Now I'll pause for a second and say Matt Ryan played essentially a, a perfect Super Bowl. 
I mean, he was incredible. He, he, was incredible. he was 17 of 23 for 284 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. His quarterback rating was like 144. Not the quarterback rating is the be-all, end-all, but his quarterback rating would have been like Still the high. third or fourth <laughs> highest in Super Bowl history. Um, he didn't get a chance to be on the field very often, but when he was, he was essentially perfect when he was executing a play. I'm leaving out of this his decision making on a couple of uh, on a couple right. of like him taking that strip sack and then taking the, the second sack when they had the ball down after they after that Julio Jones catch. So I was listening to him talk after the game, and what he said was they were questioning the play call. Which, by the way, it seems that this happens a lot when the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. You hear a bunch of sad people, coaches, and players <laughs> on another team with reporters saying, "Why did you do that stupid play?" Like that is a, that's a pretty frequent thing. So what he said was, look, that's the way we've been all year. We've been aggressive. We're an aggressive team. And I, you know, you heard Dan Quinn say, look, he's our MVP. He's the MVP of the league. We want the ball in his hand. And that is the opposite of doing whatever you have to, to win, right? That's That's saying, this is what we have always done all year. And so we're going to do that same thing. That's ignoring the situation in the game that's staring you in the face. That's and right. and, and the, the, po- the whole point of the way the Patriots are put together offensively and defensively is that they never do the thing they've always done. They do the thing that they should do then. And this is a very, it's a very, it's both a very simple idea and a very complicated idea. The simple part of it is it makes sense. You do, you look at a team and you say, okay, this team has an incredible secondary. Their safeties are really fast. Their corners are really good. And they're vulnerable in the middle linebacker uh, run. So I know we have Tom Brady. I know he's a, the greatest quarterback of all time. But we're going to run the ball 45 times today with LeGarrette Blunt and run him right up the middle. And then the next game, you say, boy, this team's really stout on the, on the, in the front seven. I think they're vulnerable to, to fast slot receivers. So we're not going to run the ball at all. We're, we're going to have Tom Brady throw... <laughs> 35 passes to small white dudes who were crossing over the middle. That's a very, that's the easy part. The easy part and the obvious part is to say, of course, that's what you do. The hard part is you need a team that can do it. And not every team has, and that is why, you know, there have been guys who have come to the Patriots who have seemed like sure things and have just washed out. And I think it's, I believe it's because they just can't quite work their heads around that idea that this is a complete this offense and defense, by the way, completely changes every single game. And not just, are we going to play man or are we going to play zone? But literally, like, entirely different personnel. Like, it, the, just completely different formations. Like, all of that stuff, it's a, it's a simple idea, and it's very difficult to execute. But when I heard Matt Ryan saying, like, hey, that's how we've been all year, I was like, oh, that's why you lost. You lost because <laughs> you did the thing, the coaches and the players, but more the coaches, frankly— We're like, look, let's do the thing we've done all year when what instead they should be saying is we have the ball at their 22-yard line first and 10. We have an eight-point lead. There are four minutes left in this game. I don't care what we've done all year. I don't care how good Matt Ryan's quarterback rating is. That's utterly irrelevant. The thing that we need to do right now is burn one minute and 40 seconds off the clock or make them burn all of their timeouts and then kick a field goal, and we're up 11. We have a very good kicker, and if we're up 11 with either three minutes, under three minutes left on the clock, or four minutes and 20 seconds left, and the Patriots have no timeouts, in either situation, we win the game. So, right. and, and it's like a, it's a, it's a 
bummer because I like the Falcons and I like Matt Ryan and I like Dan Quinn and I like Kyle Shanahan and I think that they had a great game plan and they executed it for three and a half quarters really well and then they kind of ran out of gas and when it came time for that coaching staff to put the nail in the coffin they just they stuck to the thing they, they it's Grady Little it's Grady Little saying like we <laughs> Pedro's our guy it's like no 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 the Pedro's gassed and you need to bring in a reliever and it, it's like that weird mentality of like this is who we are is garbage and it and it's such a bad it's such a weird trap that people fall into because the only thing that you should be is the right choice for a thing to be in the moment that you're in and i think you're right that is what ultimately belichick does better than anybody is he just looks at what's in front of him and makes every decision based on that and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but at least the sense is this was what we felt gave us the best chance to win and having matt ryan drop back to pass you know they were so let's see they were uh they were first and 10 at the new england 23 they ran the ball once and lost a yard Devonte freeman lost a yard so now it's there's four minutes and 40 seconds left and it's second and 11. so right. big deal run it again and maybe you'll get more yards and maybe you won't instead he drops back and is sacked at the 35 which is also crazy by the way matt ryan don't take a sack at the 35 take a threat like maybe don't drop past the 30 and then now it's third and and 23 and they call the right play the play they call is like let's just try to get like 10 yards and kick a field goal but there's a holding penalty and now it's third and 23 and they're complete 33 and they're completely out of field goal range and then they try a pass and they don't get it and then suddenly they're punting and it's like all and and also they threw the ball twice and there was a penalty and no time came off the clock and suddenly the pats got the ball back and you're like oh they're gonna score again that like you just you just felt it they they had three and a half minutes or whatever when they got the ball back and they had all they had, i think they had two timeouts maybe but it was like oh they're they're doomed because the defense is gassed there's three and a half minutes left plus the two minute warning and that was it. Like you, it felt, it began to feel inevitable. And the only reason it felt inevitable was because, as has been pointed out now many times, if you literally take a knee three times at the 22 yard line, you probably win that game. Well, you know, I think the thing that 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 Belichick does better than anybody is on every play. So if it's first and ten, he goes. In his mind, now he doesn't obviously call the plays, um, you know, and, and and all that. But in his mind, in the way he has everybody focused to play, all right, what is what is the play that wins us the game on first and ten, and then it's second and six, or right, what is the play that gets us to win the game on second and six, and on third and two, what is you know what I mean? I mean, he is he never ever ever pulls off of that. I think in in the mind of Dan Quinn. It is always like, okay, well, look, I've seen other teams get conservative. It's really easy to lose if you get conservative. Um, I, I don't want that. We've got this great offense. And from a from a large sort of uh, you know viewpoint, when you look at it from sort of the overall view, you can say, hey, that makes sense, right? I mean, there's that's logical. You've seen other teams go into a shell. You've got a great offense. You don't want to go into a shell. 
But that's not at all what the situation was. It, it, you know, the situation was very specifically second and 11 from the 23-yard line. Right. And you're in field goal range, and you're up eight points, and uh, the clock is ticking, and it's less than five minutes to go. That's, the, the, that's it. That's the only thing that you should be thinking of. And what is the right play to call? And there is no possible way. The right way to call is a seven-step drop for Tom for uh, for Matt Ryan. I mean, right. there's no conceivable way that's the right call. And look, look, that's second guessing. But as soon as you drop back, I think everybody was watching, going, "What's what's happening here? What's ha-? you know?" And that's one where, hey, he throws a touchdown pass there. You go, "Well done, you." But that doesn't mean it was the right call. You know, I mean, it's still. You still are trying to win the game. You're not trying to. You're not trying to win the game in in some sort of spectacular fashion. You're just trying to win the game. That's right. And and it's worth noting that this Patriots team has now been in seven Super Bowls, and this overtime win was the largest margin of victory in any of them. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is crazy. Amazing. They've won. Th- they've won three of them. By a field goal, they won one by four points. They lost one by a field goal. They lost one by four points, I think. So this six-point win in overtime is the largest margin of victory, win or loss, in any of them. And the reason for that is exactly what you're talking about, which is there's no style points. There's no, like... There's no, you know, they've been more or less evenly matched in very, you know, they were, they've been underdogs. They were underdogs to the Rams. They were favored heavily against a couple of these teams. They were favored heavily against the Giants the year they lost in the Tyree game. But the way that they play these high stakes games is exactly that, which is, I don't care if it's a one point victory or a thousand point victory. We are going to slowly, methodically grind down this other team and make these minute by minute decisions and, you know, in the game, they in the Super Bowl, they beat the Eagles by, they ultimately won by three, but they were up by seven and they were like, they, they sort of ran the ball and they got really conservative and they kicked that field goal that put them up by 10. And right. then the Eagles slowly drove down the field very and slowly. very slowly. And then they scored a touchdown, but then the game was over and that, right. and like that, they didn't think like, listen, we all year we've been about Tom Brady and we've been about this. We're going to be aggressive. They just were like, what's the situation? How do we win the game? And they won the game in a way that was kind of boring. And they're like, I mean, the other thing I'll say, by the way, is that I know that everybody hates the Patriots. I'm well aware of that. That's been made very clear to me on on Twitter and in my personal email inbox and uh, on my phone. However, they've played in seven Super Bowls and every single one of them has been exciting. And like three or four of them have been among the half dozen or so most exciting in history. Like you, for entertainment value, these games are incredible. I mean, this game was absurd. It, it, it was, it was a, a, a if you, I, I had kept having this thought as the game was going into overtime and then when it ended. As a writer, I had this thought, which is if I wrote a script of like the big game at the end of the football movie and I had it, at 28 to three late in the third quarter. And then I had the team come back and tie the game and win the game in overtime. All of my friends who read the script would be like, come on, dude, (laughs) this is ridiculous. Make it, make it plausible. At least make it plausible. (laughs) Like you can't have them score two touchdowns in five, in five minutes and get two, two point conversions to tie. Like that's, that's so dumb. And, and just for sheer pure entertainment value, 
these games not only are close and exciting and, and every one of them, you know, decided by fewer than six points or fewer, but also they have things like the Julio Jones catch and the Julian Edelman catch, which we haven't even talked about yet, which I think of all of these catches that we've been talking about is the, at the very least you would say it was the most implausible of any. It's more, no. I think it was more implausible than the Tyree catch, don't you think? Like the Tyree catch was one-on-one. It was an insane catch. But it was just him against Rodney Harrison. And this one was, Edelman was fighting three guys. And they were all in a giant pile. And the ball was hovering an inch above the ground for what seemed like, it seemed like there was suddenly helium in the ball. Uh, But don't you think that was the least plausible of all of, not maybe the best, but the least plausible? It was was definitely um, implausible. And then you saw the replay where he catches the ball and then, like, let's go yeah. of the ball. That that was the that's where it got to be implausible. Yeah, he like let go of the ball, and and he, he let go of the ball. I would say it was two inches above the ground when he let go of the ball. Maybe that sounds right. Two yeah, two inches at most in front of, above the ball, which it takes a ball to drop two inches, nothing, a tenth of a second, right? Yeah, and he, he like. Even in fast motion, it looked like the ball just was like, I don't feel like falling. And it just kind of very, very slowly, and then he just grabbed it. Like, like he just, that, that is not only implausible, it's impossible. It is, it is, there is a drone inside the football because there's (laughs) no way that a football can stay two inches above the ground long enough to drop it and then also catch it. So... Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, by the way, that that's the other thing about this. So when the Patriots get the ball back after the Patriots, after the Falcons completely botch their chance to win the game, you're like, all right, well, Brady's going to drive him right down the field. But no, that really wasn't it. Like people kept saying, oh, remember Joe Montana bringing back the uh, 49ers against the Bengals. But Montana's drive was like flawless. Like, he had one third down on it. But basically, just right down the field, right down the field. Right. If you remember, Brady's first two passes were incomplete. Right. And then, and then he got one. Then he threw another incomplete pass. And then he, he, he got one. And then he... Um, and, and then came the crazy Julie Edelman play, which easily could have been intercepted. Yep. And it's sort of like, well, they're still just kind of hopscotching down the field. Nobody really knew how it was going to go. And... And then after the Edelman play, uh, then they went right down the field. I mean, then it was sort of like, okay, we've had our fun, time to go, right down the field. And then, by the way, one other thing to point out, the, the, the Falcons got the ball back after they tied the score with 52 seconds left. And now they have, now you can play the other side of the game. Now you really do have the best offense um, in football. You have 52 seconds. You've been moving the ball all game. You have no timeouts because you completely blundered all three of your timeouts. That's right. Right? Yes. All three a, a, of them. a very, a very uh, overlooked aspect of the situational football breakdown was how badly. I mean, you know, they, their third one was called to challenge the Edelman catch. And and I and like you can't blame them for that because at that point that that ball that put the ball at the forty one yard line, uh, and there were two minutes and like three seconds left or something. But my right. question is, does that what would have happened if they had gotten to the two minute warning? Do they that's it's not automatically reviewed, right? It would have had to have been 
they they had no choice but to but to challenge, right? I believe. I I believe. Well, one, I think that the 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 uh, um, Patriots were lining up to run a play, right? Right. So, so I think that's part of it. Um, but they did let a lot of time go down. I don't know. I mean, here was the thing. Uh, I don't know how quickly they saw the replay, but once you saw the replay. He, he was clear he caught the ball and and yeah. I'm not I'm not saying it was their last time out because they had blown two already and I'm not saying that it isn't worth the challenge you take the challenge that's sort of the way the game is played maybe maybe you're going to get a break but as soon as they took the challenge I went well that's a waste I mean like literally the second they did it I said that's a waste because even in the booth they were all saying that looked like a good catch. It, I I don't I honestly don't blame them for it though because at that point they they know their defense is gassed. Yeah, and sure. that's a that's the difference between so the the that play started from the New England thirty six and went to the Atlanta forty one and that's a, that's a right. that's a big gain and if that I think at that point you're kind of thinking like. You know, this is our. If we challenge this and we win, it's worth it. It's worth it to roll the dice because second and ten from the thirty-six looks a lot different than first and ten from their forty-one. Uh, and I totally the other, agree. The other thing is though, the the problem is, is that they call that with two, just over the two-minute warning, and so then the Patriots run another play before the two-minute warning, and Brady throws maybe the best pass he threw all night, which was a twenty-yard. Right deep ball to Amendola that was just a thing of absolute beauty. Perfect. So yeah. suddenly it's the two-minute warning. The Falcons are out of timeouts, and the and the Pats have the ball at the 21. And now suddenly it's like, oh, they're definitely going to score. Like that, then there was no question. And so I kind of don't blame them for for challenging, using their last timeout to challenge, because I think they were like, well, this is our last stand. Like we have to like, we have to do well, something to slow them down. The problem was the two timeouts they called before that, which were right. Right. I think, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Those, those first two timeouts, both, I believe were called on the defensive side too. I think you're and, right. And, and, and that's, those will always come back. I mean, they just do. I know that's a cliche. They just do. Um, I can't blame them, but I still think it was basically rolling dice. That's I don't I don't think they felt like they were going to get the call overturned. I think they were just doing it sort of as a as a hope, which is fine. But how much better would it have been? Fifty two seconds left with a timeout or with two timeouts. You know, I mean that that just could have changed the entire dynamic. And then I would say this: they ran one of the worst. Two, like one minute drills I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they threw that one downfield to Sanu over the middle and then dropped like a little short pass to their tight end over the middle for no reason and then spiked the ball. Like what? Like how was that going to be any good? I, I mean, it was like, um, and then he almost threw an interception on the last play. Yeah. So that whole drive, they were just, at that point, I think all of the fuses were popping. I, I don't I don't think they had any idea what was going on. I don't like the way the game is played where a team can win the coin toss in overtime and then score a touchdown and win the game. I don't like that that the offense the other team's offense doesn't get a chance. That said, 
there was no way the Falcons were winning that game in overtime. <laughs> they, I just, they, they were so fried at that point. I just don't think there's any chance they were going to win that game in overtime. Yeah, you're probably right. Although I would like to see a version of the college overtime yeah, I played. I, yeah. I, that also has its problems, and I can understand that people don't like that. But I feel like you start at the 50 maybe. Or something. You, instead of you know the the in college they start at the twenty five or whatever it is, and maybe you start at the fifty. You start right at midfield, and each team gets one possession. I don't know. It'd be more exciting. Although this is certainly you know better than the you know it's certainly better than the old system, which was like a field goal that uh, ends the game. That really stunk. At least now well, you have to I, score a touchdown. Here's my feeling on it, and and you don't even have to change very much. And I don't know how much of a difference it would make. Um, I just say both teams will will get the ball at least one time. That's it. So even if you score a touchdown, the other team gets the ball and gets a chance to try to tie the game with a touchdown of their own. And then if they do tie the game, then game on. You know what I right. mean? Play, play on. Um, I, I don't see that's that much different than I, I. I mean, it was ridiculous when you could kick a field goal to win. Yeah. Right. But I think now we're at that point anyway, where where everybody's used to both teams getting the ball. Um, just make it. That's the rule. The rule is okay. Both teams will get the football, um, no matter what, and uh, you know, and and obviously, you don't even have to do that for the regular season. You can do it for the playoffs because it's obviously the overtime rules are different. You're always going to play to a win. There'll be no tie. So for the playoffs and for the Super Bowl, make it so both teams get the again. I just want to reiterate: this is not sour grapes because the Falcons would not win that game <laughs> yesterday. I, mean, I just want to make that clear. I don't even think they would have gotten a first down. I mean, I think they were just completely out of their heads at yeah. that point. But it just it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right for a team to essentially win the coin toss and then win the game because they didn't win because of the coin toss. But you know, it was a it was a pretty big help. All right, I have two I have two questions for you. All Question right. number one, and then maybe we'll wrap this up this emergency uh, podcast. And thank God we're doing this because it was an emergency. <laughs> Question number one, what of everything, what of all of the statistics, all of the records that were set, all of the improbable things that happened, if you had, if I said, what is the weirdest fact about this Super Bowl, what would you say is the weirdest fact about it? The weirdest fact about this particular Super Bowl? Yes, I'll give you, if you want time to think, I'll give you my weirdest fact. Let's hear what yours is. My weirdest fact, and it's far from the most important thing, but it is to me the weirdest is that the Patriots scored 34 points and not one of them was an extra point. That is Ooh. so weird. They missed their only, the only attempt. Dugoskowski doinked it off the right uh, upright. Then they scored uh, two more touchdowns that, were, that had th- two-point conversions attached to them because they had to. And then they scored a touchdown in overtime, but that ended the game, so they didn't have to take a PAT. So 34 points. I would be willing to bet that has never happened in the history of football. I'm, in fact, not even close. I'll bet the highest—I well, like, would imagine the highest point total for a team <laughs> where none of the points were extra points has to be probably, what, 21, like seven, a seven-field yeah. goal game or something like that? Well, or, or like or like 15, because you have two touchdowns and two missed extra points maybe, and then— yeah. Yeah, but you certainly, can do it that way. certainly, there has never been a game in which a team scored three touchdowns, won the game, and no, and kicked zero extra points. <laughs> <laughs> that is, to me, is the weirdest fact of the game. That is a very weird fact. Um, 
My weirdest fact, I guess, will be, I mean, you know, and it's it's almost it's almost lost some of its power because of, of this. But during the game, I was thinking about it, which is uh, feel the time of possession of the two teams. Yeah. So the, the Patriots ended up with 40 minutes and 31 seconds time of possession to the to the Falcons, 23 minutes, which is a huge, huge, huge time advantage, uh, time of edge. Uh, for the for the for the uh, Patriots, um, but the Patriots won the game and and they had the ball all of overtime, so it's easy to look that. But in, in the middle of the third quarter, when they were down twenty eight three, they still had a substantial time of of uh, yeah. uh, edge. Even even when they were down by twenty five points, they had like a four minute uh, edge in in time of possession, and I just thought that was weird. There was like that. There was that whole second quarter where like the Falcons didn't even have the ball. Yeah, they right? kept because... they kept showing Matt Ryan like pacing sadly on the sidelines <laughs> just with his baseball cap on, just like waiting to go back into the game. He was out. They you know he was out of the game for more than an hour of real more time. More than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you had the you had the very very and, and look part of it is this. I used to play uh, Tecmo Bowl. Now, did you ever play Tecmo sure, Bowl? The, of course. Yeah. Okay. So I used to play Tecmo Bowl with the Cleveland Browns because I, I grew up in Cleveland and I'm a Browns fan, as you know. And the Browns had Bertie Kozar and and a bunch of very, very slow receivers. And it would always take like 19 plays to score against anybody. Like they couldn't stop you, but you were always like third and two, third and three, third and two, because Bertie Kozar couldn't throw the ball downfield. Nobody could get open downfield. So it was just a lot of very, very short passes to like, Brian Brennan and 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 Webster Slaughter basically <laughs> just getting like six yards at a time and they're running the ball for like four yards at a time. That's what the Patriots were like. It was just like uh, just just like this slow, monotonous. Oh, the oh, oh, there's a holding penalty on the Falcons. Let's let's get another first down and another and another. And so I don't even know. Did the I mean after they took the twenty. I guess after they took the fourteen nothing lead, um, did, was Matt Ryan even on the field in the second half? I don't think so. Quarter? No, because the the Patriots had a fairly long drive that ended in the pick six, which was an eighty two yard pick six. So they'd driven all the way right? down the field. Then they got the ball back and drove all the way down the field again and kicked a field goal and make a twenty one three, and then that was it. Then the half was over. So yeah, he yeah. was. He, I mean, he was out of the game forever. And the Patriots also had thirty seven first downs. They ran, you know, 37, 90, 37 first, first downs and they ran nine. They ran it almost exactly twice as many plays. It, there was in some way, you know, ironically, the Falcons this year scored exactly the same number of points as the greatest show on turf Rams did the year that the Patriots beat them in the Super Bowl 2001, 2002. And okay. although the, the, the Super Bowl obviously unfolded very differently, that Super Bowl was very low scoring. Uh, sure. It was very defensive. The Patriots basically had no offense at all until that final drive, like which was only a 53-yard drive or whatever. You know, Brady won the MVP with like 160 yards passing or whatever. But So obviously there were many differences. But the Rams finally came to life because the Patriots' defense was super gassed. They finally came to life towards the end of the game, and they had that that drive where they scored, they scored the touchdown to tie the game in like four plays. It was like a deep pass yes. to Torrey Holt and yes. then another deep pass to Isaac Bruce. And it was like they ripped down the field. And it was like they they were 
the uh, barely on the field. The offense was barely on the field, and suddenly it was like now their defense has to go back out there, and like and there was a it had a similar thing where like the 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 Falcons were dominating the game, but w- if you looked in the margins of the statistics, it was like there's some trouble brewing here. Like they 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 barely run any plays. Ryan threw like 14 passes in the first half. Like they it, it was very weird. It's such a weird 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 game. There were so many weird red flags that if you were really looking for trouble, if you were a Falcons fan, you would have seen it. And at the end of the day, they had 17 first downs. They were one of eight on third down. They had all these weird, they felt they had like big chunk gains. You know, there was that play, that pass over the middle where Malcolm Butler got literally his ankles broken. By, oh my God. Not, not literally, but his ankles were broken in the basketball sense. And they, they, they were like, they looked so invincible. You kept thinking like, oh, this game is over because look how good they are. And they just never got the ball. They just never, like, the, and, and it, as it turns out, those long methodical drives that I was yelling at the TV because it looked like Andy Reid had taken over the, the Patriots <laughs> clock management. In a weird way, those drives, those endless slow drives that kept the Atlanta defense on the field, they it was a perfect, I mean, I don't know that they intended this, but they, they it just wore down the defense to the point where they couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop them. All right, I'm going to pick my new, I'm going to pick a new stat because I think, I think after you having bring, bringing it up, the Falcons ran 41 plays total. And the, and the Patriots had 37 first downs. That, that's <laughs> that's weird, right? They that's, ran 46 plays, I think. I think well, they ran 46. I got, well, I got 23 passes and 18 rushes, so that's 41. Uh, uh, maybe, the, I don't know. Maybe they count punts. I don't know. Oh, maybe they're maybe sacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 46-37 still sounds Still insane. Good yeah, 37, almost as many first downs as total plays from the other team. Total plays. That's insane. And they won in overtime. <laughs> All right, so here's my second question. That's a good weirdest, weirdest fact about the game. My second <laughs> question is just to wrap this up and put a fine point on it. What would you say to anyone who tried to claim to you that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback of all time at this point. What's the argument? Well, okay. I mean, I mean, am I am I supposed to in this uh, circumstance be playing devil's advocate, or am I or am I supposed to? Actually... Yeah, play devil. Yes, that, that. I'm sorry. That I, I didn't mean to be like. What do you got now, Joe? I mean, <laughs> I meant like play devil's advocate. I, I have been, construct I have been construct the, the argument. Well, all right. You construct the argument that the game is different, right? You construct the argument that that you're in a time now. Look, what what Brady has done, extraordinary as it is, he's done with a guy who I would argue is the greatest coach uh, in NFL history. Sure. Um, and I think, and I think that you know we'll be arguing. Not we. Maybe we will. But but I'm, people will be arguing about what really made that Patriots so great. Obviously, it's a combination. Of Belichick and Brady, but if you had only could only have one, which one would it be? Like which one is sort of the dominant force? So, so you could make an argument that that Brady is uh, certainly taking advantage of having the greatest coach uh, ever, uh, and a team that's always tends to have a great defense. Uh, they always surround him with with like really interesting players, even if they're not highly uh, thought of. So you can make that argument. Uh, it's very, very difficult to compare any quarterback to John Unitas or Otto Graham, you right. know, back when they called their own plays and ran the football and did all sorts of other things like that. 
Um, I think that if you're talking modern day, you're arguing is your argument is Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, you'll have your yeah. you'll have your Elway and Marino and 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 uh, Farves and people like that. But I think generally speaking, you're talking about those three guys and maybe Aaron Rodgers as time goes on. And and if you're really talking about those three guys. You know, then you really talk. Then, then it's very difficult to say. I mean, how are you going to really argue that that Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady? How are you really going to argue that that uh, that even Joe Montana is better than Tom Brady? I mean, his success, his his numbers. You know, that's another thing that's really interesting about Brady. I know you've talked about this before. His younger day numbers are not that great, right? Like when when those teams were winning the first three Super Bowls, I suppose his numbers were good but they were not legendary numbers it wasn't until later that he started putting those up but now that he's put up all the numbers and all of this i think the only argument you can really make is that montana in his time was as good as a quarterback could be uh manning in his time was as good a quarterback as could be and brady is so it's you could you could argue any of those guys you know did as much in their own setting is Tom Brady, right? I mean, that's, that's your argument. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm receptive to those arguments to some degree. I I will say that the coach thing bugs me because it's like, was Bill Walsh a terrible coach? Is that what we're saying? You know, when you're right. So the point is, is when you say, well, it's really Belichick. It's like, why don't people say, well, it's really Bill Walsh. Like Bill Walsh, literally he designed a new offense and found the perfect quarterback to fit that offense. He also had the greatest wide receiver. In fact, multiple great wide receivers to throw to and it was all brand new no one even knew what it was and so he had like a he had years where people were like what the hell is he even doing where which you don't have now and you know i i feel like the the there is some there I, look it's a not it's not an argument that has a right answer but i will okay, say that but- now I, I this is all this is all i'll say in in brady's defense he now like he now has the dumb things that are like team accomplishments that everybody uh, that everybody wants to point to the way that it's like Jordan's got six rings he's better than LeBron and my argument is always like Jordan in his prime LeBron in his prime one on one I don't know who wins that I think LeBron wins it he's taller and stronger so I don't know that right, right. that makes Jordan a better basketball player it means that the system the time whatever you know it's apples and oranges but. Brady has the most. He has five wins. No one else, no other quarterback has five. He's been in seven Super Bowls. No one else has done that. He's won the most championship games. He's won 25 playoff games. No one else has won more than like 16. He has every everything that's like that that you want to point to as like, as the, you know, the greatest quarterback ever. He owns all of that stuff. He's thrown for sure. more than 2,000 yards in Super Bowls. It's, it's absurd. <laughs> And then, then to me, though, then you go, okay, well, since some of that stuff is about the team, obviously, it's about your defense, it's about Corey Dillon, it's about Jerry Rice, it's about whoever, then you say, well, well, you know, let's look at the actual quarterback himself in these moments. And in every single one of Tom Brady's seven Super Bowls, he has led a drive in the fourth quarter that has like tied the game or put his team into the lead for good. It's crazy. Sure. That's a crazy statistic. And in this game, he took a team. He's 39 years old. He took a team that was down 28 to three at the end of the third quarter and essentially by himself because he was throw. He threw the ball 63 times in the game. <laughs> 
He the largest comeback ever in a Super Bowl was ten points. He was down twenty five late in the third, and he brought them back and won. And at a certain point, you just have to say, well, then that's the best quarterback. Like he was put into a situation that was literally impossible, and he made and he and he won the game. And he, it was completely on his back. It, he had a zero margin for error. And of course, like every quarterback, he got lucky. There was some luck involved. That Edelman catch was pure luck. But, but he also made like 25 incredibly perfect throws when the margin for error was zero and they won the game. And it, I just feel like you can, if you want to say like, give me, if you have one game to win, give me Peyton Manning. Sure. If, if you want to say Joe Montana never lost a Super Bowl, which by the way is an argument that I think is absurd. <laughs> it's like, you're basically saying that four gold medals is better than five golds and two silvers or something, which is a, which is obviously absurd. Also, you could say if you actually look at Brady's playoff resume, he's had some kind of he's had he doesn't have otherworldly numbers in the playoffs. He's got obviously very 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 good numbers, but he's he's inter- touchdown interception ratio is way lower than it is in the regular season, which again you would expect. But look, there's 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 some chinks in the armor here and there. But I just after after you bring a team back from twenty five points down to win your fifth Super Bowl, I just don't know how you can convincingly make an argument that he's not the best ever. Well, I I think he is the best ever. I mean, and I've actually thought that before this game, and I, and I don't know that I think this game clinched it in in my mind because it, one, it was already there, but two, as great as the comeback was. Um, he was part of the reason they had to come back, right? I mean, sure. he did not play well in the first half at all, and he threw the pick six and 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 all of that. So, you know, but but to me, when you're talking about if there is there another quarterback out there that that Bill Belichick could have drafted in 2000 and who would take that team to seven Super Bowls. Right. I mean, is there if he had drafted Joe Montana, would that have happened? If he had drafted Peyton Manning, would that have happened? If he had taken John Unitas? I mean, it's impossible to know, certainly. Um, But I think the answer is no. I mean, I I just don't think as great as Peyton Manning was and Peyton Manning was an incredible quarterback. uh, I don't think that he and and Belichick would have necessarily gotten along. I think that 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 Brady uh, has a mind that sort of matches the way Belichick and his offensive coordinators coach. And I think Peyton Manning kind of likes to do it his way. I mean, that's not a, it's not a knock on Peyton Manning. He certainly had incredible success doing that, but you've never really had a strong offensive coach with Peyton, with Peyton Manning, you know? And, and so, uh, so I think he's perfect for what he is perfect for that situation. And, the question here is, to me, the last question for you is, how much longer does he do this? Well, he's obviously famously said he wants to play till he's 45, and most people think he's kind of joking. Um, right. But some people don't. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's hard to know one way or the other. I think he does it. I think at some point, the, the, uh, obviously the risk is pretty high, that he gets injured at some point, just because when your tendons are 40 years old, they tend to right. be a little, right. a little uh, tighter. Um, it, you know, his, 
he, he it notably improved this year insanely on deep balls. Like he he was throwing deep balls much better this year than he has in the last couple of years, which you would not expect, obviously, from a 39-year-old when Peyton Manning was 39 years old and he tried to throw the ball more than about 15 yards. Really bad things happened. Really bad. Yeah. That wasn't the case with Brady this year. And the offense that they run, generally speaking, doesn't rely on you know, Aaron Rodgers type, you know, 35, 40 yard balls downfield. So who knows? I mean, you know, he's going to play next year. He's probably going to play the year after that. He's probably going to play the year after that. I mean, I, I don't, I think at some point, what's clear to me is that he will not stop playing until he feels like he stinks. And, yeah. and right now he, he's pretty far from stinking. He had 28 touchdowns and two picks in 12 games this year. And, there's no real reason that to believe that it's going to fall off the table, given how he conditions himself and his diet, and he's never had a strawberry and all that weird, <laughs> all that weird stuff about him. Now, he could absolutely fall off the table. He could, he could strain his rotator cuff in a month and never play again, like, and it wouldn't be shocking. It's what happens no. to the quarterbacks. But he, he won't stop playing after like it, he won the Super Bowl this year, and there were people who were like, maybe he'll just like tell Roger Goodell to get lost, and then retire and walk off into the sunset. That's not going to happen. There is no, I don't see a version of him saying like, I've won the Super Bowl. You know, it's my fifth Super Bowl. I'm retiring. Or by the way, if he won it next year and he were healthy, I don't see it happening next year. I don't. I think he's going to play until he feels like he can't be good anymore, and then he's going to stop. And that could be literally any moment starting today and going through the time that he turns 45. Um, But they have a big question. They have a huge question about this to answer in the offseason, which is what do they do with Jimmy Garoppolo? He could probably fetch them a pretty high draft choice. Some people have suggested they could get a first-round draft choice. The kind of uh, symmetry of getting an extra first-round draft choice the year after the Deflategate punishment is kind of (laughs) enticing to me. But... um, but it, they have this question that's out there. It's like, you know, what happens? You need a you 39-year-old, 40-year-old quarterbacks tend not to play full seasons well in the NFL. And, you know, I'm sure that there's an ongoing discussion in that building about what their future is and how they should handle it. Well, and that's going to be very interesting with, with uh, Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick has proven to be historically uh, very um, – Realistic is that the word? <laughs> Cynical, businesslike. Um, How about businesslike? Businesslike, whatever however you want to say it. I mean, look, in 2013, Peyton Manning threw for a record 5,477 yards and 55 touchdowns. Right. He stunk by the end of the next year. Yes, he was you know the worst. I mean? He was so, by most measures the worst quarterback in football. The worst starting quarterback in football the next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't the full. It wasn't until the following year that he went to the Super Bowl. But but that next year he was not not nearly as good in the second half, uh, and then he he was completely off the table. Right. Uh, it happens. It happens to everybody. It happens to the greats. Uh, Tom Brady's already beating the odds. Just something to keep an eye on um, as we wrap up this emergency podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we the emergency is no longer an emergency. We've we've. We've removed the threat of the emergency. We've podcasted successfully. There's no, the emergency has been lifted. The sirens are off. Everything's fine. We're, everyone's in a state of calm. We're downgrading to to DEFCON 5. (laughs) I have to ask you 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds to talk about this. Hit me. 
obviously everybody on Twitter, on Facebook, everybody else making lots and lots of comparisons during the game to the election. Yeah. What was your response? Well, you know, as I think we talked about last time, this was a, something I and most of my friends struggled with who were Patriots fans. I found the meta narrative of the Trumpness of the game to be kind of sad. And when they were losing big early, I was like, you know what? This is fine because they've already won four <laughs> Super Bowls. I like anything this team ever does is incredible. I like I'm the luckiest fan in the world. And the Falcons play in John Lewis's district, and that's great. He'll be happy. I like that guy. He got attacked by Trump for no reason. Um, and I and it was fine. And then what I found, and like a lot of the discussion, because the game was pretty boring and bad if you're a Pats fan, a lot of the discussion was about that stuff. And then once it shifted and it became a football game that was an exciting football game, for me at least, all of that stuff dropped away. And I was just a fan of a team watching that team slowly climb back into a game. And it was really exciting. And it, I, I found that my ability, like sports, a friend of mine said something very smart about this because we were, we were texting about it after the game. And he, and he was also troubled, this friend, with, by the, the sort of weird political morass that, that Tom Brady and Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick found themselves in. And the thing he said was the great thing about sports is that it makes you, it gives you the ability to just forget about everything else in life for a short period of time. And when you're watching a game that's exciting, you can lose yourself in that game. You can forget about other things that are going on in the world and just focus on the game. And I found personally that that's what happened. And after it was over, I, of course, dealt with a bunch of friends <laughs> texting me and emailing me <laughs> and generally trying to uh, harsh my mellow. And, um, and that's fine. And that's, a, you know, they deserve it. They were the ones who waded into the mess. Uh, and they, they deserve all of that stuff. To, they deserve to be asked about it. And they deserve to have to defend their own viewpoints as public figures. But the important thing to me in some way was while the game was exciting, I was just a guy watching my team play. And it was really fun. Awesome. Longer than thirty go. seconds, but that was that was what uh, that was what ended up being the my experience. I think it's I think that's, that's what sports are. That's that's why we don't talk politics on this show. That's right. That's why. You know. <laughs> Except for the two times in the last two podcasts we've done where we've talked about and, politics, and every one since then. You know, <laughs> other than that. Well, as as always, Michael. Thank you. As always, thanks for having me.